Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Now on Food FM, you're listening to Bread and Butter with Caroline Kenyon. Caroline and her guests make sense of the world through food. From politics to farming, making and cooking. Online, on smart speakers and on Listen Again. This is Food FM. Hello, it's my great pleasure to welcome to Bread and Butter today. It's actually a really stormy and miserable day to welcome Finn Lagoon. I hope I've correctly pronounced your name, Finn. But uh, Finn is involved with something that is very comforting and lovely. Finn, tell us what that is and who you are, because I know that our listeners are waiting to hear. So good morning, Caroline. Thank you for having me. Buongiorno, I should say. So I'm one of the co-founders of Pastor Evangelists which as of last year is the UK's biggest pasta brand, which is very exciting. And as you say, it's a very miserable day today. So hopefully, uh, vicariously through fresh pasta, I can whisk you away to happier, sunnier Italy. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, if if pasta is not a comfort food, I don't know what is. It's just what we need in this miserable weather. So tell me about you, Finn. Do you come from a foodie background? Do you have one of these kind of famous, wonderful nonnas who um, brought you up to cook with her? So I don't have a nonna because I'm, I'm actually originally from Newcastle. My family's Polish, so it's quite strange that I'm, I'm doing an Italian food brand. But I've certainly grown up with a childhood that was all about food. My dad's a restaurateur. He's an independent restaurateur in Newcastle, and he has been for the last 30 years. So I grew up in restaurants. I grew up around chefs, menus, hospitality, customers. And, you know, I remember formative experience for me was running around my dad's restaurant as a, you know, a toddler, lighting tea lights, not very health and safety in 2023, but lighting tea lights on all of the tables. That was my job. And I loved it. So, so it, uh, it makes me so happy to be working in food. Yeah, no, I completely understand that. I fell into the world of food by, by chance, by geography, because I moved out of London to, to Lincolnshire, which is this great food producing area. And that was just like one of the, apart from meeting my husband, one of the best things that ever happened to me so in a way I'm kind of envious of you that you have it you know running in your veins and I mean was was food something that your family just lived and breathed I imagine I I mean yes um you you know I was I was always there at the table so my my dad grew up on a council estate in Newcastle he's a very blustery slightly mad Geordie entrepreneur but you know he would be juxtaposed with sort of Newcastle's top lawyers doctors and so on professionals who would come into the restaurant and dine and you know I would always sit and have have dinner with them and I remember this one um this one uh, wine merchant who came into the restaurant for dinner one day must have you know he must have been about 30 stone loved food loved gastronomy loved wine and um, I remember him saying to me Finn 
Whenever you eat steak, you must chew every piece 100 times. And to this day, I still chew every piece of steak 100 times. So that was, that was the sort of world I was growing up in around these people who loved food, loved wine, and it's just infectious. And I, I get very emotional about food. I can be very passionate about food. It's one of the few things that makes me cry, which is a bit strange, but sometimes it's makes, made me cry. Um, so it's, it's hugely important to me, and it's, it's always been there growing up. I love that. I love everything. And there's lots I want to kind of tease out from there. So the first thing is I love the way you described your father as this kind of big, blustery entrepreneur. Clearly, the entrepreneurial gene has been inherited by his son. So tell me, there you are at three years old, wielding a dangerous box of matches, lighting the tea lights. So what happens to little Finn when he's finished his sort of conventional education? Did you go straight into the world of food? What happened then? I didn't. The food um, stumbling was somehow serendipitous. So I actually started, you know, I graduated, I went on a graduate scheme and I absolutely hated it. It was a graduate scheme in, in retail kind of management. And I was in this soulless office in Watford. And I just thought, is this what work is? You know, is this going to be the rest of my life? And I, I just thought, I feel so sad. It, it really just can't be. And I remember I quit that job after about three weeks. I had my mum on the phone screaming at me down uh, down from Newcastle. And I was saying, Mum, as we say, because Mum, it'll be all right. I'm, I'm in London. I'll find, I'll find something different, you know. And I actually started very weirdly working at a, a German startup, which was a technology startup doing laundry and dry cleaning. So very strange, very different from food. Niche. But quite niche, but it was basically the Uber for laundry. So you could order a driver to come collect your laundry, dry cleaning, do it, and then return it in 24 hours. And I did that for two years, which was a hell of a lot longer than the three weeks I've managed in the previous role. I loved the startup feeling about a business brand new, starting out. No one really knows what's happening. It's on your shoulders to grow it, whether you succeed or not. There's not, you know, tens of thousands of other people to make a success of it. It's you. And um, after I left there, I took a little break. I was trying to figure out what to do really with my life. And I met Alessandro, who's my co-founder, along with Chris Reynoldson. And um, Alex had had, you know, this idea for this fresh pasta concept. And I literally, I joined those guys and we were in a basement in West London, setting up the business. Um, <laughs> it, it makes me smile now, but I, we were literally in, in the basement of someone's house, no Wi-Fi, huddled around um, Chris's phone on hotspot. And that's how we set up the business. It takes one to know one. I'm I'm also a, a serial entrepreneur, but I will say not on your, I'm going to say not on your scale. One, one of the things that I've started is a Global Food Photography Awards, which has oh, entries wow. from 100 countries, but we haven't done it as fast as you. So it's taken us 13 years. Now you've done the Pastor Evangelista journey in seven. Is that correct? Seven years, indeed. That is amazing. And you've been through a pandemic. So talk me through that one. So tell me, there's three musketeers. So there's, mm -hmm. there's you three guys. Yes. Do you have your very distinct areas? Do you overlap? Do you just do you trip over each other's feet? Or have you divided it all up so you all know what you're doing? I would say it's, it's kind of an organized chaos based on our personalities because we're very, very different. It's the first thing anyone will say, you guys are so different. And it is a motley crew, but it, it works. We really respect each other. We all bring something different. Alessandro is kind of the business development, the 
schmooze. You can say he's happy to meet everyone. He's great at networking. You'll, you know, have six coffees a day, meeting people, trying to grow the business, finding ways. You know, he's very, very entrepreneurial. Chris is, Chris is the brain of the business. He's um, an extremely, extremely clever guy, numbers, data, strategy. And then I like to think of myself as the creative, cheeky Geordie. Um, so we all bring something a little bit different. Yeah, no, it sounds very, very complimentary. Absolutely. So really to put you on the spot, what's special about Pastor Evangelista? I mean, it's freshness at the heart of the business. Um, you know, what's interesting is when we set out seven years ago, we said we want to be the authority in Fresh Pastor. That was the committee mission, the authority in Fresh Pastor. And a hell of a lot have changed in those seven years. We've gotten much better at improving our slide decks and technology and our website. But that sentence has never changed. We want to be the authority in Fresh Pasta. All of our products are freshly made, you know, artisanal traditions that have existed in the Italian peninsula for, for centuries. Um, so everything we do has has freshness at its core. And that's what's, that's what's integral to Pastor Evangelists. Yeah, so tell me, there you were hotspotting off your uh, phone in mm-hmm. uh, a kind of uh, kitchen. Was it a basement kitchen, did you say? It was just a basement. and basement. Yeah. So how did you get your first customers? How did you, did you blag your way into that? <laughs> so Pastor Ivan just started out as a direct-to-consumer e-commerce business. So we set up pastorivangis.com, and we were delivering little boxes of fresh pasta, fresh sauces, and the idea was the customer could prepare you know, a restaurant-quality fresh pasta experience at home in, in a few minutes. Boiling fresh pasta two minutes, warming up a sauce, combinare, as they say in Italian, combine, and then you have your finished dish. So we just started selling online. Um, We started, we could say, um, encouraging, I would say, um, strongly forcing our friends and family to buy our first kits. So they became uh, our first customers. And then, yeah, we we started... um, we started, uh, you know, selling online through partnerships, trying to find new customers without much budget. To be honest, we didn't, didn't have a big marketing budget. And I think, the, you know, the watershed moment for us where the business started quickly gaining momentum was we went on Dragon's Den in 2018. We filmed it in May 2018 and it aired in August 2018. And I remember the night it aired, I was sitting with my laptop with all my friends and a glass of wine, and I was watching the traffic to our Pastor Evangelist website increasing whilst whilst Dragon's Den aired. And that that late August 2018, the business completely changed in one night. That is incredible. Your your heart must have been pounding. It's it's bizarre. You the hardest thing for me is you you see yourself on TV. And you think, do I really look like that? That was the worst bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know you have to park your vanity, I'm afraid. It's, uh, and you have to think about the, you know, the end goal. What, what's it all for? And not That's worry what? about whether, you know, your hair looked funny or does I mean, my voice sound squeaky? Yeah, I mean, it was it was quite galling because, um, you know, aside from worrying about that, they were they were very, very, very cruel to us. The dragons certainly um, breathed fire on us that day um, in front of, you know, 4 million people watching it across the country. Uh, I was 24 years old and they said some pretty brutal things uh, to myself and Alex when we were on the programme, but... Do you think they were right? No. To be honest, I think... No, I think no, that... no, no element of being, of, of truthfulness in what they said? They got it all wrong? Well, Deborah Meaden very kindly said the pasta was delicious. Um, on that, I agree with her, but I think, you know... 
they said we were delusional. They said we were disastrous. And they called us past de la disaster. So it, to be honest, it's hard to agree with that. I mean, this was in 2018. It's five years later. Um, we've sold the business. We've um, just finished building a, a pasta factory in, in West London, a huge investment, which is really exciting. So I can't agree with them, unfortunately. No, I would say uh, fortunately and, and well done you. But, you know, I think that's always the thing. It's like the um, dancing with the devil when you go on television, because part of it is that the people involved want to make good television. And for that, they want drama and confrontation. And they're not, it's not always about the truth. I, th- I think that's right. And, uh, you know, I think it's symptomatic of also, you know, in the last five years as a country, as a collective society and mentality, we've also come a, a long way in terms of, you know, thinking twice about what we say to people. As I said, you know, I was 24 years old. That's quite a hard thing to be told that you're a disaster, that you're delusional uh, on national television. And I think people are more aware of, you know, making that sort of remark now because it, it, that's a that's a big thing to say to someone, especially a it young is. person. I, I do remember it myself. I I um I co-wrote a book of interviews when I was twenty four, and uh, there was a very very harsh review of the book in the Sunday Times, actually by a woman journalist who who's I think she thought that I and my co-writer were coming on her patch. Right. Um, it was really vicious. But what I remember is walking into my flat and the phone was ringing. It was before the internet. Mm-hmm. And it was a friend of mine who's in TV. And he said, oh, congratulations. You've got third of a page in the Sunday Times. And it, it was really yeah. instructive to me, Finn, because he didn't hear the detail or didn't see the detail, the meanness, the spitefulness in it. He just thought, wow, coverage. So Absolutely. whenever I have friends who've been through what you've been through, I just say other people wouldn't have noticed. They go, oh, wow, just Finn was on telly. Amazing. Well, well, that's that's how we saw it. You know, I, I remember standing there in that TV studio when they were saying this to me, and I thought, you can either cry or you can laugh. And mm-hmm. I, ju- I just tried to see the funny side of it because, as you say, the bigger picture is what what an amazing piece of press, basically, and publicity for your nascent business. And, of course, you know, you've got to pay a lot of money if you want to advertise to 4 million people. We, You know, we had that opportunity to address the nation, as it were, for free. So yeah. although they said some nasty things about us as entrepreneurs, they were at least very complimentary about the food. And that, that was the salient point. Exactly. Exactly. So you've mentioned, uh, Finn, about the, the business being sold. Now, that, that's quite a big thing to have slipped into the conversation. So tell me, tell me, one, how that happened. And then, two, how that feels emotionally, because your business is, is your baby, isn't it? So let, let's start at the, the story of how it all happened. So Pastry Vanish was acquired by Barilla Group, which is the, for listeners, it's the world's biggest pasta company. It's a it's an Italian family-owned business um, headquartered in Parma, the beautiful city of Parma, where prosciutto comes from and parmesan comes from. So you can imagine how much I enjoy going there and visiting. And we've been in touch with Barilla basically since the business began. We kept in contact really all the way from 2017, 2018. We would meet people from Barilla regularly every six months, every year, you know, keep them abreast yeah. of how the business was going. And then How did you make tw- the initial contact, Finn? Because they must Alex, be approached by lots of new pasta brands. So Alessandro did, as I mentioned, he's the, um, the networker of 
of the century, as far as I'm concerned. He's he he knows everyone. He's he's really he's he's just a really you know he loves meeting new people and talking and exchanging details and updating people. But I I met them with them as well from um from early days, and we we literally just kept them informed about the business. Every every six months, sending business updates. We went and met them in Parma several times, and then um, yeah, at the end of 2020, we entered um, conversations about Barilla acquiring a majority stake in Pastor Evangelist. We went out to Parma several times, and it was very very funny. You know, in in COVID, trying to do um, these face to face, quite as you can quite imagine, quite intense conversations around um, around uh, an acquisition, and trying to do this uh, with almost a Vladimir Putin style twenty meter table between you and you and your um, partners is is quite challenging. And then, yeah, um, Barilla officially acquired the business in January twenty twenty one, and you know, I think you hinted at it. You know, Pastor Evangelist is my baby. It's Alessandra's baby and it's Chris's baby. I'm not just saying this to be pleasant about Barilla, but I could not have wished for a better partner for Pastor Evangelist. Barilla completely understand what we're doing spiritually, philosophically as a business in terms of freshness, artisanality, premiumness, great food, gastronomy. They really get that and they back it. A lot of people, you know, speak to me and it feels like they they assume that Barilla would want to, you know, acquire the business and then change the business. I would say it's actually been the complete opposite. Barilla likes what we're doing and therefore wanted to acquire the business and let us get on with it. So they're they're incredibly helpful and supportive of us, but the business hasn't changed in terms of how we how we run it, myself, Alex and Chris, or, or what we're trying to achieve. That's really wonderful. And dare I say it, very unusual, Fen. You know, I'm, I'm a great believer in family businesses. I you know my, my, my other business is a family business and I, we work with a lot of corporate partners who are global brands and nearly all of them are family businesses. There's something special about the values of a family business and it's totally different from something that's owned by private equity. Absolutely. And I mean, we, you know, we know the Barilla family. So when we, when we visit in Parma, we are literally meeting Mr. Barilla and we'll sit down together. We'll, we'll take fruit pastor evangelist dishes, our products, and we eat them together. It's, it's a very, you know, it's strange doing business in Italy because it, it's different to the UK. It is more relaxed. It can be more convivial. So it's, it's always a pleasure for us. Yeah, that's how I try and do business here, I must say. And I always want to give people delicious food because otherwise, why would I be involved in the world of food? Apart from anything, I love eating. So I should think they're delighted to see you coming, bringing, you know, your delicious food. And they think, oh, they look in the diary for the week and they say, oh, the chaps from Pastor Evangelista are coming over. That's a nice week. Yes, we were actually there two weeks ago presenting some of the new products we've been making in our pasty feature, which I know we'll come on to. And they and they were so supportive and they really, really so complimentary about about our food. And I think what's lovely is, and it's a little bit lost on me, and I think it, it's perhaps a little bit lost on you know people in the UK, but Barilla in Italy is synonymous with pasta. Barilla is, is a huge you know, institution and Italian icon, you know, a bit like Vesper or Ferrari for the Italian people. So for us to receive such um, kind words from the Barilla family about, about our pasta and our sauces, it's, it's a real compliment. It's a, it's a huge honour and, and, and it's, it, it makes one feel quite humble, really, to think that yeah. people who've built such an incredible business 
uh, and global cool. brand that they they really respect what you're doing and they they want to lend their name that is something yeah so many yeah. congratulations so let's let's talk a little bit about the um the factory because i was lucky enough to come to the opening and i uh don't know whether it's sad or not but i love food factories i love going around them and find it really interesting so i loved it and everything was gleaming and new and shiny and i can see exactly what you're doing the smells were delicious so that must have been a big project to develop I mean, an, an absolutely huge project. So it took about a year to build. Um, it's, uh, you know, as you saw, Caroline, it's a, it's a very big premises, a very big facility. You know, we've had to, you know, none of us have a mechanical background or any experience in, in building factories. So first we had to build the team. So we have a gentleman called Bupendra, who's our chief operating officer, who knows this world inside and out. We couldn't have done it without him and the team that he's built at Pasture Vangers. And then we've also had a lot of support from Barilla because, it, again, they will help us where, where we need help and where we have no experience. So they helped us build it. And I think what's cool is we actually had a, um, a time-lapse camera filming the factory being built literally from from mud. It was literally mud, a site of mud. And then over the course of a year, the factory had been built from the ground uh, into the premises that you saw a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so we'll release this video shortly. We're editing it now. But it's it's amazing to watch how, how something like that has come to life in the space of a year. It is incredible. And of course, what it leads on for me to ask you, Finn, is this just the first? Are you imagining, do you have global ambitions? We certainly have global ambitions. I think um, for now, I, I we don't have any ambitions to open another pastifique shop. So the facility we've just finished building can produce, you know, 50 tonnes of pasta a week. It's a hell of a lot of pasta. I believe it's the same weight as a humpback whale. So we've got a lot of pasta to sell, essentially, to, you know, to make good on this uh, large investment that we've committed to. No, completely understood. So, I mean, one of the things that I always find uh, fascinating, and again, it's a bit nerdy, but it's something that we started, all started being aware of during the pandemic and then with the war in Ukraine is supply chains and climate change, I think we have to talk about, because I know that, I mean, your pasta is made with, it's double O flour, isn't it? How do you see the future going in terms of protecting your your supply chains, Finn? And I know that there's you know there's been an impact on the production levels of olive oil this year. How do you see yourselves navigating all of that? I mean, you're, you're right. It's a very difficult operating environment at the moment. Also, after Brexit, which has complicated obviously a lot of uh, you know import regimens and also hiring. I think you know we're quite lucky in the sense that we've you know got long term. Um, contracts essentially for, for key products that we need in the business. I think also another big blessing for us is again being integrated into Barilla, which is you know a three four billion global food company. So there's a huge amount of experience that we can lean on. That we you know we don't need to solve problems around how we tackle you know import and tariffs and duties and and olive oil running out because um, we now. It, now we now fortunately have access to Barilla's um, skill on that, and we we get a lot of support from them. That's fantastic. It does it makes a huge difference, as as you say, that their kind of their heft, their might is is very supportive, isn't it? And to be a it's, small business tackling these issues is very challenging. 
That's right. I mean, you know, even even when we were purchasing, um, you know, tomatoes recently um, for the huge brat pans to prepare our tomato sauces, you know, I, I you know, I look after our the, the marketing creative side of the business. I'm not super clued up on um, on all of our supply points, but you know, even there, Barilla was able to say these are the people you should contact. These are the people you you should reach out to. We can introduce you, and it, it really helps. Yeah, I can I absolutely see that. So, um, t- so if I could wave a magic wand for you, Finn, because we're coming towards the end of our uh, lovely conversation, where would you like to see Pastor Evangelista in five years' time, ten years' time? What would your dream be? Great question. I mean, I think what we're working on now, we're very, very focused. The biggest part of Pastor Evangelista today is our takeaway business. So 70% of orders at Pastor Evangelist are hot deliveries. So we're not in uh, Lincolnshire yet, unfortunately, but where I am in Hackney in London today, I can go on pastorevangelist.com in one hour when it'll be 11 a.m. Our kitchen opens and I can order a delicious fresh pasta takeaway. Perhaps I'll have pappardelle with wild boar ragu. That's what I'm in the mood for today. Our chefs in the kitchen will prepare it and deliver it in about 15 minutes to me directly. So it's a restaurant at home experience. Now, for the last two years we've been open, opening these kitchens underground literally underground subterranean dark kitchens i.e there's no customer facing concept you can only order digitally we want to change that i want to change that i want customers to be able to walk along the street in you know I'll use again hackney for example on lower clapton road or broadway market beautiful streets and i want them to be able to see pastor evangelist in their community and come in. There's something, you know, I used the word convivial earlier about Italy and Italians. We, we want people to come into our space and meet with us and, you know, not just eat and smell delicious food, but listen to Italian music, sit down, you know, enjoy Italian newspaper or Vogue Italia whilst they wait for their food. Um, so to answer your question, in five years' time, I would like to see lots and lots of units all over the UK and beyond. So Pastor Evangelist will, will essentially be on the high street, but but not as a restaurant or a QSR. The concept's quite different. Um, so that I'm very excited about. So if I could wave that- my magic wand, I'd be in every major city of the UK um, tomorrow, ideally, um, with this concept. I love that. I think that's a wonderful note to end on. I love the evocation of Italy that you've given me. It's one of my favorite places in the world where I went on my honeymoon. It's where I've studied. And who just doesn't love that kind of warmth, that garlicky olive oil smell that you get from walking into a good Italian eatery? So here's to that, Finn. I salute to what you and your colleagues have done and what you're doing. I think it's remarkable. You've done it fast. You've done it with style. And I can just see that you're going to rock it ahead. So well done and good luck. Thank you so much, Caroline. Grazie. My pleasure. You're listening to Bread and Butter with Caroline Kenyon. To find out more about Food FM and our content, go to foodfmradio.com. 